Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. And we seek blessings upon the Prophet. Peace be upon this. Peace be upon him. Making a note for the recording because I've been making mistakes. Today is April 5th. Alrighty. So, oops. so we're continuing our exploration of Surat Al-Baqarah. And believe it or not, we are Wednesday. Spell Wednesday. We are just about halfway through Ramadan. Ramadan has been flying. At least for me, I don't know how you all feel, but I feel like it's been flying at, at full speed. And it gets faster and faster. Anyway, <clears throat> does anyone have any questions about anything we've been covering, related, unrelated, anything at all? Nothing. All righty. So let us continue with where we left off. We are at Aya 6 and 7. Getting into the second model of belief and rejection. The first is the muttaqi, the person of taqwa. And the second is the kafir, the person of kufr. So ayah 6 and 7, inna ladhina kafaru. So indeed, 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 those who have rejected. So one key word here is... Trying to make sense of what is kufr in general, what is kufr in the Quranic context? Sawa'un alayhim, it's the same to them. Ah, uh, if you uh, if you warn them, am lam if or if you do not warn them, la yu'minun, they do not, they will not believe. Okay. Ayah six. Allah has sealed Allah ala kulubihim. Allah has put a seal on their hearts and on their hearing and on their sight a veil and for them is a horrendously great punishment. Okay. So first, in terms of this term oof, its etymology is, in terms of the root of the root, etymology is to cover. A point that I did not draw much attention to, that now I probably should, is a lot of the vocabulary of the Quran comes from, on the religious side, comes from Hebrew and Syriac. So Hebrew, you all know. Anybody know what is Syriac? Syriac is scholarly Aramaic. So words like salah, zakah are imported from Syriac and become part of Arabic. Jibril, Injil, Mikail. Yeah, we'll be getting to that, inshallah. Uh, are words from Hebrew. But then these genres of a lot of the vocabulary of the Quran come from trade, come from traveling, and come from agriculture. A lot of the vocabulary comes from trade, which makes sense because they were merchants. Shall I give you a trade that will give you tremendous uh, prosperity? Uh, agriculture, which we're about to see, and then pathways, moving, travel. Sirat al-Mustaqib, the straight path. Sharia, 
the path that leads to relief, tariqa, the path that removes obstacles, so on and so on. Madhab, the way that people go. In any case, so when we were speaking of the success of the people of taqwa, the word muflihun, you can translate as those are the people who are cultivated. So this is a term that also comes from agriculture. That these we're saying successful, but these are the people who have cultivated, cultivated themselves, been cultivated. Well, I mean, those are different forms, but they are cultivated. Likewise, kufr, akin to what Mustafa is saying here, is to bury, I'm saying to cover, essentially the same point. Like in agriculture, you have a seed in the ground and then you cover it. That's the etymology. When we get into the context of the Quran versus Islamic law, so Quran, and by extension, Hadith, versus Islamic law, these are, and then by extension, theology, these are different things. In fact, let's even make it uh, simpler so as not to confuse you all here. Let's put it like this. Quran, theology, law. Okay, so for example, when we get into vocabulary, one of the conversations we had a couple of classes ago was about the word taklif. And in the conversation with Mustafa, I was I was reaching the point where I realized this is actually a law vocabulary term. It's a terminology within law, which in common use might have different meaning. Yeah. So first we're going to look at kufr, then we're going to look at iman in these different categories. So in the Quran and Hadith, kufr is ingratitude. And thus rejection of faith. But how is it an act of covering? You become a kafir, a'udhu billah, when you feel compelled to turn to Allah and you suppress that compulsion. That is the moment you become a kafir. That you feel compelled. Maybe someone is calling you to Allah and for a moment you feel compelled. Maybe you're just reflecting upon life or maybe nothing, nothing, nothing interesting happens but suddenly you feel compelled to turn to Allah and you suppress, you cover, you bury that compulsion, that is the moment you become a kafir. So the key point being that it is in the Quranic context, in the Hadith context, it's not the same as a non-Muslim. In the context of theology, kufr is rejection. of faith. And we'll make more sense of these in a moment. In the context of law, is non-Muslim. How do we make sense of the difference, the differences here? The Quran is speaking of the whole person, which includes the condition of their heart. So in the realm of the Quran, Gufar is primarily a condition of the heart. Secondarily, it is the result of action. And the main action is that if you are fighting someone, 
just because they believe in Allah. If you're fighting someone who believes in Allah, but over something else, then it is not kufr. So the Quran is speaking of the whole person. Islamic law is speaking of the external only. And this will make more sense when we get into Iman in a second. So externally, your identity is either Muslim or non-Muslim. And so thus, you're Muslim or kafir. Danya. Um, just so I understand this a little bit better, do like our theology and law coming from Quran and Hadith, or are yes. we considered? Okay, so then, how do I work out uh-huh. the differences? So imagine you have um, a physician and a therapist, okay. or a psych a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Both are looking at the same person. Both are looking at behaviors, but they're using two different models of the person. And so law is only focused on action. Theology is the realm of the mind. And so theology there, it's basically what you believe. This will make a lot more sense in a moment when we do Iman in a second. But so, so far, take this as it is. Okay. So if we add the Iman part to this, so this is Bufa. Iman in the realm of the Quran and the Hadith is security of the heart. Make sense? You have Iman when you have security of the heart, uh, but you may not have security of the heart, and yet you're still Muslim. You're still surrendering. In theology, Iman is an article of faith. So an article of belief. I believe in Allah, I believe in the Prophet, I believe in the peace be upon, I believe in the angels, so forth and so on. How much do I believe in them? For theology is irrelevant. The fact that I take it as true, that's theology. In the realm of law, Iman is no different than Islam. Because it is looking at what is on the outside. Make sense? So a non-Muslim in the realm of law is a kafir. A non-Muslim in the realm of the Quran may or may not be a kafir because it's a condition of the heart. And again, the only time it's uh, avail, it's obvious by action is if someone is either saying something against Islam, like I believe that there's two gods, or they're attacking someone just because they believe in Allah. Uh, Mustafa. So whenever God speaks of uh, a kafir within the Quran, it's primarily within the scope of like uh, the condition of the heart and the rejection of faith or ingratitude rather than just not being a Muslim. So, so is it possible that there's no intersection there? So this gets into 
which reading of the Quran we're doing. So who is the primary audience of the Quran? Who's the first audience of the Quran? The prophet. Peace the prophet. Upon, right? So the prophet is calling on someone. They say no. They're automatically a kafir. Boom. Why? Because they're getting the best possible delivery of the Quran in their own language, in the eloquence of the Quran. And they say no. But then if we move the second we move beyond the prophet peace upon him, then it is then we start seeing a difference. So if I call someone to Islam and they don't become Muslim, they're not necessarily a kafir. Because it could be that they just totally didn't understand my message, right? Or something else. They never felt the compulsion. So think the classic example are Abu Sufyan and Abu Jahl. What did they used to do at night? At night, they would listen. They would sit outside the Prophet's house, peace be upon him, and listen to him reciting the Quran. And then one night they ran into each other. That's how they knew this was going on. They're like, yeah, we're not going to tell anybody about this. Abu Sufyan eventually became Muslim. Abu Jahl did not. So the implication here is that there has to be like a recognition that like there is truth in the message and yes. a rejection of the truth. Yes, that they bury it. Yeah. Okay. Any questions about these different dimensions or understandings of Kufr? I Go have a it. question. Nadia. Um, so, let's say that somebody converts, they say Shahada, but they don't really know very much about Islam. They just, for some reason, have a feeling that it's true or that they want to be Muslim. Because I yeah. think I heard you say before, no one's looking at the depth of your conviction, just that is true. That counts the, as accepting as true. Like basically, shahada. so it depend, again, it depends upon which realm. So if we speak, so let me break this down further. If we speak of heart, mind, body. So generally speaking, in fact, maybe I should make it a different color just for purposes of. Okay. Yeah, heart, mind, body. Heart is the realm of your core yearnings. Mind is the realm of your intention, your niya, your yearning being your irada. And then the body is a realm of your action, your amal. Okay, so far so good. And then yeah. your heart slash your yearning is the realm of Islamic spirituality. Your mind, aka your intention, is the realm of your of Islamic theology. <laughs> and then the body, the realm of action, is the realm of Islamic law. Okay. So the body is your external. If I say the Shahada, and let's say I have no intention of believing it, I'm still technically a Muslim from the realm of the body as far as things matter publicly. Wow. I, might, I might be a hypocrite, as we'll see in the next discussion, either tomorrow or the day after. Uh, or let's say I don't know too much about it, but I do believe 
I do claim and I do believe that I believe the core tenets, one God, finality of the prophet, peace be upon him, angels, books, messengers, then I'm Muslim in the realm of the mind. That's a circle deeper. The point I want to get to is the conviction in the heart. And so this is what we would then call Islam, Iman, Ihsan. So if a person is only Muslim in the right column, the column all the way on the right, they're fully a Muslim as much as anybody else, socially speaking. The goal is to be fully Muslim in the left column, where you are Muslim through and through, as though you can see Allah yourself. Make sense? Yeah, just a tiny follow-up question. So of for course. purposes of marriage, you know, Sometimes somebody will convert yeah. to get married to a Muslim woman. Yeah. Do we just care about the socially Muslim? Like if somebody gets up and says Shahada, then we should just not ask. If I am else, if I am conducting the marriage, I mean usually I want to do more in general, but that is sufficient for me. But I'll give you an example of <clears throat> and this is gonna be recorded and the brother of the person is probably gonna hear it, but the dumbest couple in the world is this uh in fact she might listen so well hopefully inshallah i'm saying this with good intentions so a muslim woman planning to marry atheist man okay not raise muslim or anything and parents are saying nope he has to do his shahada and they say okay and all that is well and good. But then to make the point that they are the dumbest people in the world, they say he's going to take the Shahada, but he's still not going to believe it. Yeah, exactly. Sabrina, your, your hand to the forehead sums up what was going on when I was told this. That would be the equivalent of just not doing it. So I said to the brother who's telling me this, I said, I'm sorry to tell you this, man, but your sister's an idiot. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, she's like super highly educated and all that stuff. But uh, the point is that if he just took the Shahada, period, nobody asked anything, anything at all, then sufficient. Make sense, Nadia? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Naturally, you want everyone to be a super Muslim, but we also want ourselves to be super Muslims and all that. But in terms of what is required from the legal perspective for a valid marriage is that he's a Muslim. Yeah. Any other questions so far about this? Okay. So that's the word kufr. Uh, why is it also in the Quranic lens considered to be ingratitude? You will often find shukr and kufr Parallel, uh, uh, put together. Very often in the Quran, you'll have two opposites that are placed together. Kufur and Shukr, you will often find together. And so Kufur is looked at as ingratitude in the sense that, in the same way that I feel compelled, I recognize the truth of this and I bury it. Then what follows with that is I recognize the truth of Allah's mercy and I reject it. Mustafa. So the essence of it would be like um, you're rejecting the greatest ni'mah that you could be given, which is guidance or 
recognition of God or Islam. 100%. That's exactly. So. Okay. Now getting into the content of the ayah. This is where things get even more fun. As for those who have rejected. I mean, these translations don't make it clear. This one does. This one kind of does. This one does not. Uh, this is past tense. Well, past tense, plural. Gafaru. As for those who have rejected. Okay, so this is not speaking of the common gafir. This is the one who has rejected. It's the same to them if you warn them or if you do not warn them. They do not, they will not believe. To whom is Allah speaking here? The prophet. Yeah, he's speaking to the prophet, peace be upon him. Or secondarily, anyone who is calling people. Now, Allah is not necessarily identifying who these people are. What you can infer is that the responsibility is to still warn, to still call. But there are some people who it's not going to make any difference. Why? Possibly. Because Allah has sealed them off. So here's the question. Imagine, here, let's write this out. Put a line here. And I'm getting pretty good at drawing these lines. Okay, so IS6, they rejected. IS7, Allah sealed them. Let us imagine in between IS6 and 7, there is a word. And the question is, is the word because? Or is the word therefore? They rejected because Allah sealed them off? Or? Sorry. Yes. That was kind of scary. Okay. They rejected because Allah sealed them off, or they rejected, therefore, Allah sealed them off. So, what do you think? This is the question of free will and predestination. Mustafa. I think yes. <laughs> nice. Good. <laughs> Sabrina. I think therefore. Therefore. So they rejected, they made the choice. And in response, there's a dog. Okay. And then they, uh, in response, Allah sealed them off. Yeah? Yeah. So you're basically saying free will. Danya. I also am team free will. Um, and I'm using the example of the two ayahs before these. Okay. Um, describing the believers. And then continuing on. And then the the second ayah, so from guidance, like guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay. not like they oh. are mu'mineen because, you know, that is what like Allah determined. It's like. So you don't think they're like, believers because Allah chose them to be believers? I mean, there is part of it, like what Allah wills, but also there's that part of like okay. their choosing this and like Allah wills their choice. Okay. So that sounds like Mustafa's answer. The yes thing. Yeah. Okay. Mustafa. Uh, 
similarly with your logic, Dania, if you go... Dania, uh, not Dania. Like yeah. Dania. Nice. Okay. Um, I need to see the Arabic pronunciation, the Arabic writing in order to pronounce it correctly. But anyway, if we fast forward, I think three or four verses, um, there is a verse that also has uh, the opposite indication. Uh, I think it's keep going. Uh, can you scroll further, please? Yeah. So they already had a melody and God made the melody grow. So that feeds into the uh, therefore part. Okay. And so I think there is evidence for both. And I think both make sense. All right. Anybody else? Because or therefore? I have an answer. It's therefore. Because, because the other one, it just doesn't seem just. Ooh. I feel like Allah can give you um, guidance, even though you don't deserve it, because he's merciful. But I don't feel like he would just decide to block you from okay. belief. All right. Any other thoughts? Hey, Bilal, what do you think? Sorry, we won't test you on this. Um, it's either it's either to me, it's either both or therefore. Um, I, okay. I agree it can't be just because it just... I mean, Perhaps. unless there's like some explanation, like I'm obviously I'm approaching this with an open mind and like willing for that to be changed. But like, as I currently stand, there's it just can't be just because. Okay, let me let me add one small but possibly significant little fact. We might have touched on this in Al Fatiha. You know how we call it a day of judgment? Uh, yeah, that's not you know the translations more of a day of accounting, day of interaction, day of gathering. So. It may not be a day of judgment. Oh, snap. Okay, I'll explain what that means in, in a moment. But in your thoughts, hey, Gabriel, what do you think? Well, it looks like you're focused on chaining lanes or something, you know, or escaping the police. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I got to catch up so you guys continue. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, if but. Yes. So, um, at what point is it that we've decided, like, as at, at the individual level, that we have now rejected? So now our hearts are fears that, you know what I mean? Just like in the, you know, it's like the sincerity of wanting to be better. Where does that possibly be so counted? I'm kind of having trouble uh, hearing your whole sentences. I heard something oh. about like, where does the sincerity happen? Something. Um, no, so I was wondering, like, you know, um, the question here is, is this that, um, is it because or is it, you know, therefore? You know, so, so my yeah. question is, what point would that be determined anyway? So we have a whole oh. life, right? Okay. Okay. What if your whole life is pre written? I, you know, I actually don't have an answer for this. I find it's very... Okay. Mustafa. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. You were saying more? Yeah. No, no, that's all. Okay. Mustafa. So I think there are two things we need to consider when it comes to would it be fair or not. The first one is... Let's consider, yes. God's 
what God says about himself. If you yeah. believe the Quran to be true and God does describe himself as just then or the just. Okay. Uh, it's like he is that. Now we don't know what God knows, and as such, we cannot have an objective, impartial, fair assessment of things. Okay. Um, whereas God knows everything. So we can't compare like our ability to make judgments or assessments of fairness of things to God just purely based on that. Okay. The other thing I would say is God created this world in a way where we have both intellect and we have choice. And so, yeah. and there's also ripe, meaning that which we don't know. We yeah. do not know the future. We don't know the past. There's a lot that we don't know. And so if you think about how everything boils together, we don't know what's been pre-written for us. Hence, somehow paradoxically, we still retain free choice and it matters and it weighs okay. within the scales. All right. Danya. Oh, you're on mute. Just to echo off of what um, Mustafa was saying, I think we might not like have the capacity to understand how they play together um, or exactly like he was describing, not knowing the future, not knowing the past, but still retaining that ability of making choices um, right. and those and seeing the consequences of those choices um, right. play out differently. I think that like falls into the, um, at least for me, falls into that like realm of certainty um, yeah. that like I made this choice and this is a consequence of my choice. And there are things that I can't, um, like I don't have control over. So I think it's like a, a, a balance between the two. Okay. All right. So any other thoughts? One... Yeah. Oh, go sorry. ahead. I feel... Oh, no, no, you can go ahead. Go ahead. No, Somebody you go goes. first. I've been talking a lot. Somebody go. Okay, so what I was going to say is that I think for me, this becomes one of those things where, you know, um, you have to kind of like have intellectual submission on this. It's like, okay. you can kind of go back and forth and try to understand it, but you're never going to know. And I think that uncertainty is built into it for just this reason, that okay. we can't have certainty about exactly how this is, you know? Um, my understanding, I remember... Um, Sometimes I was reading about it, how mistakes uh, are level, the, the book that has everything written in it. Um, there are places where you make a decision and that changes the future. Is that rewritten too? Like, I don't know. Oh, so we yeah. can go on about this. So right? then, so, think, okay. Yeah, so is it is it that there's a part of it that is unwritten and like, you know, all of the permutations are possible? Like, I don't, I don't know, but... At some point, you kind of have to think, like, what does it matter, right? Okay. Because Allah is just, and we have to oh. submit. To All right. So maybe it doesn't right. even matter. Right, because it's <laughs> like we believe that Allah is the most just. On top of that, he has mercy, and mercy being defined as giving when you're in a position to punish, and, you know, the subject is not deserving of it. It's on top of justice. Then it kind of doesn't matter how it plays out. Just okay. that we do the best, and we know that there's there's some hazy area there, 
where, you know, we can go back and forth forever and not come to a conclusion. Maybe we should busy ourselves with actually just doing what we need to be doing. <laughs> okay. Good thoughts are on that. Thank you. You are welcome. Thank you. Mustafa and Sadia. So I remember a hadith that um, uh, talked about how do I can change what is written. Oh, snap. Yeah. And so that, means, that means things are written. Yes. Yeah. But then the fact that they can be rewritten or changed means that they're not necessarily set in stone. So that's... Or that... Or that... And it's written that you're going to make a du'a. Yes. That, <laughs> but like to what Ifat was saying, at some point, just going through that inception level of written, not written kind of doesn't benefit anyone in any way. What I think is beneficial to ponder over is that it is written, but God in his benevolence also like allows for change. Okay. Um, that's what has been revealed to us and given to us. Now, how exactly it stacks up in the depth of the level of uh, inception involved in it, that hasn't really been revealed to us. And I okay. think it would just like make our brains kind of melt. Okay. Just this, thinking this, about it. And I think Asim. Asim's like favorite line is this is like inception. But, <laughs> but I think ultimately it boils down to one very simple answer. When you are at a point where you need to make a choice, like for example, um, I'm too lazy to go pray. I should go pray. It's like you have one or the other of the two. It's like it's either this or that. Okay. Nobody, unless there is actually like, unless you live in, you used to live in a certain time period in Saudi Arabia. Nobody is there to like hit you on your hand and tell you go pray. Yeah. It's like you make the choice. Okay. Also, like if you are forced into it, like your heart has that state. It's like yeah. you are either internally rejecting it or you are internally accepting it. And you are grateful for the fact that there is someone that is reminding you or pushing you to pray. Okay. And so just like you have no choice with you just as you have choice with action, there is choice within heart, within your like within your heart and your the choices that you're making. And nobody forces that internal heart choice. Okay. You choose. Okay. Sadia. I actually um couldn't hear if that's uh, response, and I wanted to request if you could summarize it. I would really like to know. If I, if I understood if it correctly, she's saying ultimately it actually doesn't matter that you're still making choices and <clears throat> you're, uh, you know, you'll be essentially held to account. If I understood if it correctly. May I just, may I just say something? I think part Please. of this, like, yeah, so that uncertainty being built into such a beautiful thing because again the responsibility of happy having what we know is integral to have as a muslim is hope right it's, so it's your belief in allah right yeah. the fact that you keep coming back right so okay this is written but it's like there's always that chance that you can go back and yeah. do better 
or change your destiny with dua, right? So there's there's a sense of like, um, you know, that uncertainty is sort of comforting because you know that Allah is all merciful. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? And I think that's kind of the trick of it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Hey, Saudi, does that Hello? make sense? Hello? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, she's breaking up a lot for me. So it's uh, oh. in pieces. I'm but so sorry. Okay, I'm trying to, yeah, understand. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, loud and clear. Okay, yeah. So, no, I was just seeing, Sadia, that like the uncertainty of it, I think, is sort of built in on purpose, right? Because it allows you to have hope. Right. And it also puts the responsibility back on you to have hope and believe in Allah as you do. And then that is what manifests for you. Like if you believe there's hope, then you're not going to give up, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're going to continue to make the dua and you're going to continue to say, even though all of this has happened and I feel like there's no hope in life, I could still change my destiny with dua, whatever Mm -hmm. the situation might be. So I think like that's part that's done by design, I would think that we don't know. I mean, what if all of it is written? I, we don't know, but we could sit here and intellectualize it. But I think the trick of it is, is that, yes, there's that question. There's a gray area and we have to accept that Allah is the most just. And on top of that, he's merciful. Mm-hmm. Which is essentially saying that we have some amount of free will as far as it matters. Absolutely. Yeah. That's even what if I we say. don't, we have the perception of free will. Yeah. I don't know if I would even say that. I, I mean, I okay. think Allah is just, so he would give us free will. We just don't okay. know where that line gets crossed, written, unwritten, you know, okay. or changeable, right? I don't know. Mustafa. And this is a question, because I think it also is food for thought, but what does it mean exactly for something to be written? Because mm-hmm. okay. I, th- I feel like oftentimes that is also like a blurred line for us where we take that God's knowing what will happen means that it's written, although it could, like, the dynamics of that could be, like, something completely different than what we understand. So, like, what does it mean for something to be written, I think, is also something we don't fully understand or grasp. Mm -hmm. So, on that last point, if we say hypothetically that Allah knows everything, we might infer that he knows everything I'm going to do, yeah? Whether I have the choice or not. He knows if I'm going to, what's going to happen to me on the day of judgment. He knows where I'm going in terms of heaven or hell. Everybody with me so far? Yeah. But if he knows that I'm going to hell, he doesn't stop me. If he knows that I'm going to hell. And what greater proof of free will than that? Could be, yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my take as well. Because the idea of day of judgment, I mean, it matters because it's been emphasized so much. Okay. Then, if there isn't a free will, then what's the point of having a day of judgment and and go okay. through all that exercise? So that's okay. built into it. Um, the idea that you know, we start the Quran with, hey, you don't know Alif Lam Mim. And you're never going to know. And so you just have to believe. Um, So whether certain things in your life will be predestined and certain things will be your choice, it's going to be hidden. 
So you just keep making an effort for with you, you keep making choices and just believe in the mercy of Allah. So, okay. uh, so I think the, the, the presence and emphasis on the day of judgment itself is a proof that, you know. Okay. Yeah. So let's walk through all of this. I don't know how much we'll be able to get to it. Let's see. Uh, uh, coping and practical. Okay. Uh, looking at free will predestination from the perspective of my action, if I have free will, then I am choosing my actions. Yeah. And if I have dua and free will, then I'm rewriting. The, the future. Basically, yeah. So far, so good. If it's predestined, then it's predestined. And the dua that I'm making and the way it rewrites my destiny is predestined. Okay. The day of judgment, however, I will get what I earned or I will get something better. Right? This is textbook, so new thought textbook. She had thought that you will get at least what you earn, if not better. Okay. And then we actually hope to get the Rahma portion. Okay. But if everything is pre-written, then it is all a question of to whom does Allah wish to give Rahma? That's what it means. And so why do we have this whole system where I have to go through this life and then the day of judgment and then have heaven or hell? Why doesn't Allah just put me in my destination at the end? This is his will. We surrender. But the day of judgment becomes a day of rahmah to whomever Allah wants to give rahmah to. If it's all pre-written. Okay. And I'll give you a very simple example. Let's say we have two twins. Okay. And Everything about their life is identical. And in fact, I had these friends where on all their standardized tests, they got the exact same score. So, so let's say you have two guys, all their choices in their life have been identical up until this one point at 6 p.m. today, Chicago time. And a, a person comes to, we'll call this person uh, Joe and this guy below. Okay, so this person comes up to Joe asking for money and it just so happens his twin goes to blow asking for money as well joe in the goodness of his heart gives this person three dollars blow in the goodness of his heart gives this person three dollars okay so far it looks like they will have the exact same akhira yes the exact same judgment but Joe so inspired this person that this person saved a dollar fifty and then gave the other dollar fifty to someone else in need. Okay. So what did Joe get rewarded for? Joe got rewarded for giving the three dollars and then got further rewarded for inspiring that person. Blow gave this person three dollars, 
didn't inspire anything in that person. That person's still getting rewarded. Joe Blow's still getting rewarded. So who got the more reward? Their actions were 100% the same. Their intentions were 100% the same. So there is, there, Mama, thanks. I think I need to knock Kibri out of this class. Okay, so, so Joe got higher reward just because of the recipient, which was outside of the control of Joe. Both their lives were 100% the same. And so even in the scenario of free will, there's going to be the element of how much rahma Allah is going to give you by the way of other people's responses. Yeah. Okay, so far so good. But even then on top of that, Allah just might give you rahma on top of that. But you mean by other people's responses in, in, in interaction or other people's responses in your okay. behavior? So what's the difference between the two? Um, now I don't know. You just threw me off. Yeah. That's my power, bro. Okay. No, anyway, no, no. So let's say, okay, let's let's change it. So let's say Muzaffar is teaching this class and we have two students. One is Dania and the other one is Kibria. And Dania takes notes and Kibria takes notes, but then Dania goes on and teaches other people based on what Muzaffar has taught her. Muzaffar gets uh, rewarded for teaching Dania and then for Dania teaching other people. Yeah. Then let's say there's this other student, Gibria, who is in the class, never pays attention, does nothing of use, nothing at all, stands in a closet all day long. And, you know, and then he just does this IT work, pretending to do computer work or community work, right? So Muzaffar still gets rewarded for teaching him. Yeah. Yeah. I like that Lulu. <laughs> it's just it smile to that one. So Muzaffar is getting rewarded extra because of what Dania did in response to Muzaffar. Make sense? Yeah. Basically, if you inspire other people with your good, you're also getting rewarded for their good. And that's something you have no control over. Got it. So far, so good? Praise okay. be. Okay, inshallah. All right. We're going to stop right there for a second. Sadia, who's been waiting for a long time, and then Mustafa. I actually forgot my comment. I will ask when I remember. Sorry. Inshallah. That's the power of a teacher. Like if <laughs> just delay, 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 and then they forget. Mustafa. In the example you gave, it yeah. could be that the sibling that gets rewarded less just by virtue of the recipients could be aware of how it all functions, yet still be sincerely and genuinely happy for his brother for being rewarded more and sure. be grateful to God for that and as such could be rewarded for that. So there's also a lot more that go into that dynamic and calculation. Sure, sure, yeah. than... I mean, we could also say that, you know, he also gets jealous and, you know, turns and then, you know, changes his name to Cain, right? I mean, that that's also possible. But I'm saying just taking the straight example for what it is. The, the point is hopefully clear, shall we? Okay, so scenario one makes sense, yeah? That the day of judgment is, if you have free will, some amount of justice, but also perhaps a lot of rahmah, both in terms of how life plays out, as well as uh, how Allah chooses to reward you. If it's all predestined, it's still to whom it is Allah wants to give rahmah and how much. 
And that is the power and authority Allah has. Okay. Scenario two. The case of society. That most societies will lean more towards one or the other. So, for example, in the Indian subcontinent, you have this idea of kismet. Okay. Where people feel that their destiny is already written. Then it becomes the responsibility of the scholars, the teachers, the preachers in such a community to lead them from one side of the pendulum closer to the middle or toward the other side. So if you're in a society where people overwhelmingly believe that they have destiny, like they're destined to be poor, they're destined to suffer then it's the responsibility of the, the scholar, the teacher, the preacher to preach free will. Saying you have responsibilities. If not to yourself, you have responsibilities to other people. So, likewise, if you're in a society where people believe they have so much free will that they have God's endorsement for them to do anything and everything, you want to push them back again towards the middle which would be more preaching something along the lines of there are things out of your control that you're not going to be able to stop, like the fact you're going to die. Okay. So this one might sound a little bit more abstract. This is more relevant to my world that when students come into the office, there are students who believe they're destined for doom. And for them, I have to teach them their empowerment. And then there are those students who believe they can do anything. And for them, I have to get them a sense of their limits. Preach, teach, toward the balance. Because theology is often a tool for power. The easiest example, of course, is Saudi Arabia. Right? Saudi Arabia, you have a state religion, and you're going to elevate the scholars that are going to agree with your law, your theology. Something that's really interesting, Bilal probably knows this from today's Muzaffar discussion on WhatsApp. Uh, my cousin, his uncle, just came back from Umrah, or I think they're about to come back. And for Tarawi, they do 10 rakats, which I've never heard before. Have any of you heard of 10? We've all heard of 8 and 20. Okay. Uh, 10, I've never heard of, but I believe Saudi is, I, I can believe it that this is something Saudi Arabia would do. Because the king probably said, let us make it 10. So, but the point here is that any power structure is going to have, it's going to promote either directly or indirectly some approach to theology that is going to support power. So, if you read uh, Iqbal's uh, Devil's Parliament, he totally goes at it about uh, uh, about this. That, you know, that theology very often is just a tool for power. And so it becomes the responsibility of the scholars, the teachers, the preachers to preach what is necessary to bring people closer to the balance. Okay. Now bringing it practical level one. If we go to Surat Al-Hadid, Surah 57, and we scroll down to around Ayah 22, I think. So, 
1920. Okay, so 20, you should know this life is just a play and an amusement, show of beauty, exchange of boastful claims, so forth and so on. You know, be clear about what this life is all about. So 21, you should compete with each other towards forgiveness, race with each other, sabichu, be the first towards forgiveness from your Lord and towards paradise, so forth and so on. And then 22, no calamity hits you, no calamity of the earth or in yourselves hits you, except that it is pre-written. Fi kitab. Okay. And why is this being told to us? Pre-written before we bring it into being. This is easy for Allah. So you don't grieve over what you've lost. And so you don't boast over what you've gained. So a way to think about this is whether you have free will or pre or not. Imagine, we all understand your moment of death is set. Imagine also on schedule is each of the times you're going to be hit with struggle. Each of the times you're going to be hit with prosperity or ease. The intensity of the struggle you can affect with du'an, with other practices like reciting Aital Kursi after, after prayer and such. You can also affect it by your level of faith but it's going to hit you. Okay. So you don't say, oh, if only I did this, this wouldn't have happened. If only I did that, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Likewise, if you're hit with prosperity, that's also pre-written. So you don't start thinking, okay, this is because I'm so great and you're lazy. So, yeah, this we shall pass. Uh, Bilal. Uh, yeah, I know that time is kind of short, so if you can't answer this today, that's fine. But I was wondering how this kind of ties into what we were talking about, maybe one of like the first days of this class where um, it was just talk, you were you were mentioning how like, you know, grieving is kind of like a necessary process and things mm -hmm. like that. And I was just kind of wondering how we square that with this. Okay, very good. So here, there's an aspect of grieving that's destructive, which is, if only I did this, they'd still be alive. If only I did this, I'd still have the money. So I'll give you an example, uh, my standard example. I was going to go meet somebody, for, a student for dinner. And I park right in front of the restaurant. I look everywhere for a sign saying I can't park there. And I see nothing. So then I go inside and I eat dinner, come out, parking ticket. And right in front of my car, it's Lord of the Rings. Right in front of my car, uh, there's a sign that says no parking. Clear as day. I looked for a sign. I couldn't see it. And it was as though Allah or whoever blocked my vision in that moment. As though my it was pre-written for me to lose the $150 that I had to pay for the parking ticket. might have been $50, but no, it's like $150. Pre-written. Like that $150 that was sitting in my bank account never belonged to me. So. A year later, I meet some other students, same restaurant. And what happens? How did you get in the class? I blocked everybody. Okay. And then uh, same restaurant. And I park someplace else. And I look at the sign over and over again. It says you can park from this time to this time, and you can't park from this time to this time. I go in, and it looks like I'm fine. I go inside, I eat, come back out, take it. And I look at the sign again, and it's clear I couldn't park there at that time. Pre written. 
no point in me being disappointed. And now the $300 that I've lost, it was pre-written. That money that was sitting in my bank account for all the time was never mine. I never had access to. So if I started thinking, okay, if only I looked more, I'd still have the money. That's a destructive side of grief. As opposed to the need of the heart, which is grieving. Make sense so far? Yes, it does. Thank you. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree, Hamid. And maybe I should drop you out of the class and have you in Kibri. Anyway, so so this is focused on coping. The last number four, the practical self, if all you knew you had free will, then that's sufficient. All the rest of the things above are for when people get stuck. So free will predestination until probably two years before COVID, that was the most common question I'd get in my office. And so the one, two, and three, you're actually looking for the answer that is going to most empower a person's faith. And part of that is empowering them in terms of choice, but also helping them make sense of how the world operates. And each one lower in the chain is getting further and further practical. For theological questions in general, the first question you ask is, what is concrete? And it's concrete that I have free will, right? You can try to prove to me a hundred different times that I don't have free will. Obviously, I have free will. I'm trying to move my pen like this on purpose. And then you get into the abstract after that. All righty. Very good. We will continue, inshallah, tomorrow. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. May Allah tell you all, and we'll continue this discussion. We haven't finished it. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.